When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Oh, yeah. Good morning or good afternoon. Good evening. Whatever the f- Who cares? Welcome to Knife Talk. It's a podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, and all he is. I'm Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. With me is Bladesmith Mareko Momasi, Momasi Fire Arts. And the illustrious, unsinkable Craig Lockwood at Shop Knives. What's going on, guys? How are you? Good. What's going on? Are you chugging your beer over there? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's been a rush for me to get back to the studio, so I've I've literally got a cold drink. Because it's like a sweat box in this little room, it's unbelievable. So, yeah, forgive me if I'm um, chugging away. But Mm -hmm. um, shall we just get straight into the big news? The big news of um, who won our competition? Yeah. Oh, who won? Go ahead. So, oh, yeah. Shut up. Who, shut who up. You won? fucking some goddamn nerve. You have some hey, nerve. I, you know, I tried to warn won. you guys. I tried to warn you guys. What? What? what what's the warning? What? what I, don't I told you I was going to kick your asses. You, you so mobilized your following. Yeah, your yeah, big seriously. following. You yeah. mobilized them, and we yeah. we had no chance. Yeah. No. So, no. No. This is. What do you mean? No. That's no. That's not true. No. I looked at so on on Instagram <laughs> stories. You can look at the stats. You can see the numbers, and we all actually Craig got the most. Well, wait. Overall let's just stop everything. Let's just stop in. everything and just set it up. For our listeners, and then we can bitch and moan the rest of the time. Set it up, Craig. Set, set the whole right, thing up. Sorry, sorry. Okay. So, um, two weeks ago, we, we we had a new bet, and the bet is... It's like food for your ears. I fucking love that guy. So, I, I set the challenge <laughs> of who can make the best pizza, homemade pizza. So Stop um, saying we, homemade. Stop saying homemade because we, it's made we home. makes the best pizza. Of course we're at home. Whoever makes okay, whoever makes the best pizza. So we had a week to do it. So um, Jeff put his up. Um, I put I, uh, sorry, Morocco put his up. Then I put mine up. And last Monday we opened up a vote for our listeners to decide who made the best pizza. And we have a winner. So um, everybody voted on Instagram, and we had a, an overall winner, and that was Morocco's pizza. Congratulations, congratulations, Morocco. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. What's the secret? What's the secret what's, to a good pizza? What's the secret? Uh, you know, I think love is the biggest secret, especially oh, when Jesus you're Christ. making Get it at home. Get me off this podcast now. Get me off this podcast right this minute. I'm ready love to and care. I am you know, pressing. Go, I'm pressing leave the room right now. <laughs> fucking love. <laughs> like I talked about, you know, yeah. it, when mm-hmm. I when I 
presented my pizzas. I was trying to present the most inviting uh, dinner for people to come and join me at. You know, I was thinking of like, uh, you know, the Barefoot Contessa style, uh, Ina Garden, right? Mm -hmm. I was trying to, I was trying to yeah. be like her. Right. You know, by the time you're done, you want to be there in that house eating that right. food. That was, that that's, was the, that's the secret. That's the secret that to your victory. Yeah. That was your secret secret to victory. Absolutely. And the food I was delicious. There, there was a. I the think ice cream I was, was awesome. I, yeah, but that ice cream wasn't the fucking part of the the project. <laughs> I know, I know. Ice cream and garlic nuts wasn't part the of the project. Nuts and the rest. Yeah, of it, I yeah. just read a report that half of uh, Italy hung themselves because they heard that somebody <laughs> the winner the winner put the winner won with ranch dressing on the pizza. So, you know, just before coming on air, my wife was like, "Now be gracious about because <laughs> I hate losing competitions." Um, and my wife was like, "Now be gracious." Now. Not only do was your mother, I mean your wife said that. That was a Freudian slip. Not only did your wife say that, but who else said that to you? Me. I don't know. Yeah, you did. You did. I actually. said. <laughs> I sent him a message. And I said, "Put up a congratulations to Mareko. Put it up now because we need to be gracious winner losers and put up a put up a congratulations to Mareko now." I hit him up as soon as you won. I was like, "Do it now," because he, I knew I was like I knew there was gonna have to be some like uh, uh, coercion. I was seething all week. All week. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> yeah. So, Mareko, you get to choose our our next challenge, our next um, well, our next meal. Can, before we do that, can we just talk about I, I? This is something that happened two weeks ago. Hmm. Two weeks ago, when we started out, all of a sudden the shit talking ensued, and then our listeners turned into a bunch of rabid warthogs, and they started to like slip into our DMs and saying sending awful things. I wanted to try to. Make sure everyone knows that some of us aren't as competitive as others, and that would be me. <laughs> so I went on Instagram Live, and I was chatting it up, and we're okay. Everyone's okay. You know, Craig you know, took some shots across the bow at me, but he, we're buddies, and don't worry about that. So we started talking, and I said, I said, oh, this is going to be fun because you know what's going to happen. I'll bet somebody does this. I'll bet somebody does that. And then all of a sudden, one of the listeners who on the Instagram Live says, I bet you $20 that you are not right. And all of a sudden, the floodgates for betting came in. The side bets. So I did two giant side bets. I won one, and I lost one. What so were the bets? The first bet, I'm going to read the first bet, and I'm going to read off the winners. Now, the idea was that the winners, if, the, if, if I lost, I would say their names and speak nicely of them. And if they <laughs> lost, they would spend $20 of their own money on a, some sort of charity in their area or buy Peak Skill, Fader Knives, EDC Coffee, or just do something nice for someone I wasn't going to – this is the honor system. So I bet that I was going to win, and I obviously didn't. So I'd like to just say a warm, loving uh, congratulations to the winners of the first bet, which is Holy Fuck Sticks. Congratulations, Holy Fuck Sticks. <laughs> J Custom Knives, Must Spell Knives, Moss Knives – Fourth Valley Forge, Chase Donnays, um, Oz Hughes Bonsai Blades, Kenny Boy, and FD Knives. You guys were right. I lost. And you were right, and I'm speaking highly of you. The next bet, which I won, is funny. Because I said, I posted my video, and I said, you know one of these two knuckleheads are going to throw the fucking pizza in the air. They're going to do that fucking, <laughs> that fucking Chef Boyardee bullshit where they throw the pizza in the air. I said, you know it. And all these motherfuckers wanted to bet against me. And what I was won. The, what was the first bet? Sorry, you didn't the say first the bet, bet was, was I was going to win. 
Uh, so okay, I was going to okay. win, and they all bet against. All, you know, they all wanted to bet against me real quick <laughs> before they even saw your pizzas. They wanted to bet against me, and they were right. So the next one was I didn't know who was going to start flipping pizzas, but I knew one of you two were going to do some like flair, you know, throw the pizza in there, and I was right because Mareko loves to throw the pizza in the air. Uh, He's fast forwarded it. That party fast forwarded it, but. Uh, the keen eyes of uh, Muspel Knives sent me a sad face that he had lost. So Muspel <laughs> Knives, Fourth Valley Forge, Cote de Zao, uh, Hummer Knives, CJ Likes Food and Beer, Oz Hughes, um, Bonsai Blades, you all lost. So, there was a lot of side betting going on. Well, I, you know, it got to the point where it got – well, it would have been more except for the fact that all of a sudden we are having this little fun little thing and then you <laughs> – got on and everyone was like, all right, everybody quiet. Craig's here. And Craig's like, what's going on in this room right now? And I'm like, oh, nothing, Craig. Oh, you were just, you know, just talking about pizza. And I had to bag it. I had to bag it all thing. I was afraid of something. And I had to tell all these little bastards to keep their trap shut because you can't trust any of them. So Fourth Valley Forge was a push because he bet against me and then he bet again. He, he lost in one, so he's a push. And Oz Hughes Bonsai uh, Blades is a push too. But CJ... Food, beer, you need to pay. Humming knives, you need to pay. Bus spell knives and coat out. Do something nice with that twenty. Take your twenty bucks and do something nice, because I won that one. There we go. And that there made it go. fun. I hold so, on to that paper for a long time. Yeah, Morocco. So, what is the uh, what, what's the next meal? Well, shall uh, we also say? Shall we also sure. say? Because obviously, time is a huge issue in the week, and you know, some of us put some, you know. Mareko and I, we put some time into our production. You know, some of us just rush them out. We, you know, I won't, I won't, I won't trash talk anymore. But I'm not mad at what you're saying. I'm not mad at what you're saying. I don't know if I've, I'm too busy doing business to be yeah, fooling time, around like time you guys. Yeah, time is 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 of the essence. So yeah. shall one we all just post one picture of the final product and as to it needs to be anonymous. Right. Okay. Because there are teams mm. out there voting for each other, Mister. I'm going to tell my 100,000 followers to go on to Knife <laughs> hey, Talk. P.S. Wait, 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 wait. Anything? Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. incorrect, dude. You're incorrect because both I'm Craig at and the I numbers right here. You both Craig and I never said a word to the. I didn't say a word on Fader Knives, and Craig didn't say a word on Chop Knives. And you went to all your you probably had like Jesse James voting on you and stuff like that wow. and all these all your celeb <laughs> Joe Rogan's up there you know trying to influence the vote and it's like you know Jimmy Kimmel and all your all your celebrities are helping you out and you they nope. you won with the with the branch dressing so Look, it's like you know it's got to be anonymous the pictures you, have to be You're anonymous not very competitive. I'm not but I mean it's like what's fair fair is fair I'm not gonna fucking I'm not gonna fucking waste my Look, time on making you can like be a, a sore loser. I'm not a sore loser. Or you loser. can listen to the the data says in the ins, on the Instagram story uh, insights that 300 people overall voted for each on each of our posts on, on each of the things. Is 300 that right? people. Yep, 100. percent In fact, All right. okay. You and I, Jeff and I, had fewer people vote on ours, and that's that's not like it's overall for the positive and the negative. So. Craig actually oh, all right. well, ended up I'm, tallying I'm, up the most votes altogether. I'm just going. I'm just going on what so, I'm assuming, and I'm I, I saying, listen. I'm listening to yeah, you. Exactly. I'm listening to Ass the facts, and I'm listening to you. Assuming. <laughs> listen. Is this a good bet for us to be doing each no, week? This is a terrible. <laughs> will, we be, listen, will we still listen to be talking to me, in a month's time? Listen to me, fucking ghoul. Listen to me. I'm just saying that I. Th it has to be anonymous because there are already people. I got oh, yeah. people slipping into my DM saying, 
I love Marekko's Damascus. I'm totally going to vote for his pizza. I got that. Okay? And it's just like, come on, man. Oh, that yeah. isn't a fucking... Yeah! It's stupid. It's just like, get the fuck out of here with you and your fucking... Just because you like them doesn't mean you're going to get the best. you got to go down the middle. So if we're going to do it, they have to be the anonymous pictures. That's it. The okay. only way we can actually, I, it can actually be fair. I will say this. I went and voted for both of you guys. I did and, too. And yes, but you also went through your second account and voted against me with your full blast <laughs> podcast. Oh yeah. Did so I? who's rigging the game now, motherfucker? Did I? Easy, 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 easy. Did I do that? Yes, you did. One hundred percent. What an asshole I am. And I noticed that asshole. Craig, Craig didn't vote at all, which was very diplomatic of him. I voted. If you go to Fader Knives, Fader Knives voted for everybody. That's right, but I'm saying Full yeah, Blast full Podcast th- went and took a shit on us. That's, oh, I think taking a shit is a different situation. T- taking a shit is a different situation. I'm caught red-handed, but the, you know, the people over at Full Blast Podcast, you can't trust those scumbags. I you, will got tip me, my... you got me. You got those bastards dead to right. Speak I don't to my I'll tip my hat to Mr. Jared Thatcher, though. I appreciate his vote. Oh, so, so, oh, so this is, oh, no, no, wait a second. Oh, I'm rubbing that's, it in, now that's you, all. Yeah, you fucking <laughs> talk, I mean, oh, my God. The Kentucky, you're going to call out the Kentucky Stooge for, for voting no, for I'm you, Jared? That. I'm Jared called me up and said he the liked mayor, my pizza the, the best. He called me up and said he liked my pizza the best, but he voted for you? Stooge. Yeah. Kentucky Stooge, you a two-faced son of a bitch, you. You're fucking the mayor of the mayor of bullshit town. How dare you? How dare you, bastard? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The insights are all there if you want to see them. Look at you. All right. Look at you. Uh, Well, I will. I do want to keep it simple for myself as well. And I've talked about local. Good. Not Matt. We're not. We're not making grilled cheese or any of that. Uh, (laughs) Would be a lot easier. Go ahead. <laughs> I've talked about Locomocos on the podcast a few times, and I thought that would be cool to do. It's a very simple meal. It's rice, uh, like a burger patty, and some simple gravy over the top and an egg. That's the oh, very shit. basic. That's the very basic form. And you can keep it simple and make it really delicious, or you can make so it. So when you say gravy, what, what, what kind of gravy uh, it's is It's usually that? like a pan gravy made from, like if you cook off your hamburger bun in a pan, then you can make a... Uh, gravy use like add a little flour to make a roux or a butter and something okay. and then okay and you yeah make a gravy that goes over the top and it's called let me let me go i've, I've never heard of these until you mentioned it on the show a few weeks ago sure. loco Locum. moco moco let's have a look let's have a look <laughs> It's, it's delicious. Su- it's a very savory dish. Uh, it is super okay. delicious. Yeah. It's it's a booze mop dish, is what it is. I call it a booze mop. It's it's that kind of thing you eat the next day after you drank too much uh, beer watching the soccer game or something like that you know gotcha a classic Craig hawaiian dish loco moco yeah. consists of steamed rice topped with juicy hamburger steak and a fried egg mm. and gravy okay okay it looks good it looks tasty it's very simple super tasty that, that's that's one of the reasons for doing this as well because like for me I've, I've never had that i didn't know it existed and it'll be you know something new so yeah exciting. so we're gonna take anonymous pictures yes one still one still shot um, and we put up on the KTP um, account by Friday. So what's the? So what do you guys think is the strategy to win? <laughs> mm. Jeff's trying to figure out how to game it again. Yeah. Did I win? Did I win the last one? No, but it doesn't mean. Then you there you try. go. So don't worry about it. I'm at, so obviously I don't know what I'm talking. Don't worry about me. You don't have to worry about me. I lost already. What the fuck? 
I think I've got a slight advantage because I've never had this dish. So I think I could be maybe a bit more creative where you guys may be a bit hemmed in by what you know. Oh, that's that's the positive I'm taking in. from this. <laughs> I've never yeah, heard of yeah. the dish. <laughs> I mean, like I said, that's the very basic form. You can you can class it up and dress it up and do whatever you want to make it fancier if you like. But, okay. Very, yeah. very good. That's a good choice, actually. Very yeah. simple, delicious, very good. That's a very good choice. Very good choice. Is is the rice generally steamed or boiled or like fried with the um, again, I mean, it's however it's you whatever want to you want. Rice. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But white so rice don't have is the tradition. Okay. Yeah, white cool. rice is the brown gravy is kind of important. Yeah. I will say it over quinoa is super delicious. Our listeners are not winning with quinoa. Quinoa no. is not going to deliver you the <laughs> oh, quinoa. Quinoa. I love quinoa. I mean, I like quinoa. Quinoa st- smells when you cook it, but that's not what's going to win. The- isn't going to win. win- <laughs> isn't going to win this fucker. Quinoa is not going to be the one that puts anybody over the top. But who knows? You never know. I've been wrong know. before. Do you know what I'm disappointed <laughs> in? So we we had a few people um, send pictures of their pizzas that they'd made as well. Uh, not a single person had tried in their even heat, and I'm thinking, man, uh, it's got this stone base. It can get up to crazy temperatures. It would be perfect. Nobody did. Nobody I did. have I have rewarmed leftover pizza knots in my even heat kiln, mm. and it worked great. I just put it on my temper cycle, gave it like 10, 15 minutes at 350. That's delicious. It's a good follow-up. <laughs> I would go straight to chemotherapy after that. <laughs> I don't know what any of that fucking dust in on my food. Oh, my God. You guys are... No, it's, ra- it. it's wrapped in foil it. and everything. Right. I'm with you. Whilst whilst we're talking about even heat, Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! To the chopper, indeed. So let, let's talk about what we've been up to this week, just really briefly. Um, let's let's start with uh, let's start with Morocco. How is this knife going? Please, please tell me it's finished. <laughs> no way, it's not finished. I'm still waiting. <laughs> so the stainless knife is waiting on material uh, to, sh- like I said, shore up to Saya. Uh, the I actually got another knife back from a leather worker that was doing a like a cross body uh, carry kind of sheath situation leather sheath sheath situation for a uh, kind of like a Bowie knife that i'm building right now um so i just got the knife back because i again like like i said last week about sayas i don't finish the blade before i finish the saya finish the saya out and then i finish the blade because i don't need to be sliding a finished blade in and out Uh, i'll let the customer do that um and so i got to finish out the blade on that bowie and then i have uh oh i was remaking the steel and so i'm i got the steel ready and i'm ready to forge a knife uh, next time in the shop, I'm not sure it's going to be today or tomorrow. It's it's supposed to be pretty damn hot here, so that might wait. Um, but otherwise, yeah, the week, the week's been pretty. Oh, actually, I went to the beach last weekend after we recorded the podcast, which was nice. really nice. Nice. I, I don't I don't get a lot of time uh, out of the shop, and um, it was great to go. Uh, my in law, my uh, sister in law's family has a beach house. And so we went out and we hung out their spot. We went camping for the first time with our little guy. He's three. This is his very first camping experience. And he killed it. He just he just went to sleep like he normally would. It was surprising and awesome. So that made it very uh, – that kind of opened up some doors for us, I think, for the future when it comes to camping and stuff like that. 
Um, so you got a lot the of coast sun. Where you are. No, I'm like an hour from the coast. All right. Oh, not too bad. Okay, cool. No. Very and nice. so, yeah, it was good. Hmm. How about Jeff, you guys? What, what's your week been like? Uh, it's been great and crazy. I, uh, we launched the knife with a serrated, offset serrated knife with uh, Trevor Conk, and it went bananas. It went batshit crazy. It went great in a great, great way, and I'm super pumped about that. And um, I'm actually fat. Uh, I guess I'll save it for are we doing that bit, that Mareko's new bit of what's what we've been seeing lately. We'll do that. I'll do that later. Um, mm. But uh, it's been great. I've been working on. I've been trying to get. Uh, materials in. Uh, I'm trying to stabilize the rest of this um, North Fork uh, cherry, which is great. I'm drying it and stabilizing it. And I actually had a, I had a pump problem. I don't know if you guys have. A, I mean, what are you laughing about, you little, <laughs> you little psychopath? What are you laughing about? Pump problem. Took me by surprise. That's I all. Did it? I sure did. So uh, my my uh, my vacuum pump started making all these weird clicking noises and making these crazy noises, and I was like, "What? What's going on?" And I ended up taking it apart, and I I didn't realize that it seems as though I had gotten some of the over time some of the resin had gotten into the, into the uh, inside the chamber, and I had to, so I cleaned the whole thing out. I'd never taken one apart before, but I cleaned it out. Cleaned it out, put all new oil in, and uh, fucking saved it because I was just about to be like, I don't know what the hell is going on. So I did a, I spent uh, all day, well, the most of the morning on um, Friday fixing this vacuum pump, and it was great because it was good to see. Jonathan Porter kind of told me what to do, and it was a kind of a neat way to, you know, take a look at what's going on inside and see if you can make sure that it works again. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm busy getting ready for, uh, for for um, I'm just getting ready for the week, preparing yeah. myself for the week. Your mom's all situated. Guys. Pardon oh, me. Oops. Yes. Okay. Yes, and if we have a beef, I want a fucking beef. I got a major beef <laughs> about okay. a certain person, not my mother. Yeah, she's all situated. She's happy as a clam. Um, and uh, yeah, she was now. It's just getting her, you know, mail exchanged and shut off the con ed here and sure. getting her squared away. So yes. Cool. But I gotta Those... don't forget this fucking beef. I gotta fucking tear apart some dude. I gotta tear a dude apart. Okay. Okay. Oh, I was just gonna say those sandwiches. Those sorry. Those sandwich knives that you made. They look amazing. They're so clean. They, they yeah. look really cool. They're really fun. Nice. It's a offset serrated. I, the funny thing is, and I've said this before with a lot of uh, culinary knife makers, is a lot of these culinary knife makers they ha- don't have a lot of experience in the kitchens. Hmm. And I started to learn about the offset serrated back when I was, uh, you know, prepping and helping over at Oriole, and all the guys had these offset serrated knives, and they were, they were like the unsung hero behind the line, and and it was one of those things that they are great, and it was a lot of fun. And the chef is, uh, you know, really good dude, and it's been the whole experience has been very good. So. They, I tell you what, looked really clean. the The logos on there were, were they stamped or did you etch them on? Oh or yeah, I get they a, look really, really clean. Thank you. I got them laser engraved. I'm uh, not laser engraved. I got uh, I got uh, stencils and then I electro etched them. Yeah, I've been changing the way I do the electro etching now, and and I'm doing less uh, of the deep. You know, you can do it. Uh, you know, you can make it deep and more just the you know mark mark on mark and i've been doing a lot more just mark and not having to go so deep so i've been getting cleaner and i also got new stencils i got brand new stencils um and they they just they're crisper they make them very crisp nice no they look that you could tell they look really really crisp thank and cool. you thank very you nice. thank you no laser engraver but you know these things take time hmm. 
Well, they take time to be delivered too. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, don't forget. <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead. Don't. I'm I was just going to say you, you, you. Last week's episode of uh, Full Blast featured the uh-huh. unsinkable Craig Lockwood. It was a fucking good episode. It was a good. It, it was good. It was good fun to do. It. Was, I, I said on the show that it was nice to just sit back. And I had a beer. I had no uh, buttons to press. It was it was just nice and relaxed. It was lovely. It was a lot of fun, and you it will definitely be a different a different tone than what we do here. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could barely get you to shut up. That's the best part. It's at the end. I'm not saying that at the end. I was ready to wrap it up, and you wanted to keep going. You could have yeah. been there all night. It was great. You were having it, it a great time. It was late at night. It was late for me, so it was yeah. I, I'd had a beer. I'd already eaten. We were having a good time. Such a good time. Chilled. You didn't. You wanted to keep going. Yeah, and that's exactly. the mark of a fun time. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, so full blast podcast on the Makeway Network. You can go and listen. And as I was the last episode, but there's been plenty of other, you know, far more talented people than me. Great Stop episodes. It. So, so go and listen. I don't. I don't like that. I don't like you say that. That's not true. <laughs> um. So the, yeah, I suppose then it's me. What I've been up to this week. So um, I mentioned um previously that I'd ordered uh, a whole batch of um knives to be laser cut so I could do the own tea treat and everything here and just have lots in stock if things were were to happen such as everything being locked down again and they arrived um so I've been um heat treating them and doing a lot of uh testing hardness testing uh, with the hardness tester here and I had a new camera as well so I, I filmed a fair bit of that so I think I'm going to put a video out of of hardness testing and showing the, the sort of varieties that I'm getting by making these little twi- tweaks and things. So it's quite an interesting video, it should be. So that's quite cool. Um, what else have I been doing knife-wise? Still waiting for this engraver to arrive, for this laser engraver to arrive. Didn't you get something in the mail that really wasn't supposed to go to you? I did. That was weird. So <laughs> I, I got a package, and it was all sort of Chinese writing on it, and, you know, the import stuff all over the front of it. I'm like, what the hell is this? So I opened it up. And it was a either a wedding or engagement ring, which I clearly have never ordered. And I spoke to my wife; she's you know she hasn't ordered it, obviously. Um, and I just wondering what the hell is going on. So um, yeah, I put it up on Twitter actually, just saying you know this this is really weird. I've, I've received this ring; I haven't ordered it, and you know they had my phone number on the order and my correct address oh. and everything. And apparently, it's a thing. So what um, Alibaba are doing? They're getting fake. Um, they're sending out. Fake stuff, not not so much fake stuff, but like fake orders, just to bolster the numbers for their um, for their suppliers. Jesus, and Christ. apparently it's a real thing. <laughs> they they are employing like armies of people to just like order like because it's all cheap crap stuff anyway, and oh. just send it out to people who you know whose details they've got on their database who maybe have ordered before or wherever it may be, um, and that keeps the the seller happy, so that the seller continues selling with them. And and it's a real thing. It's and I was just like, oh Jesus! But yeah, wow. it's it's a it's a piece of junk. It's 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 real real piece of shit. But uh, just really weird, really weird practice. The way you're doing business. You have know, you just sending out? Have you heard of people being sent bags of seeds from China? No. This is something that I I noticed somebody posted on Facebook, a friend of mine, and it was an article written saying that there are these Chinese companies sending small, unopened bags of seeds, which is illegal because, mm. you know, these seeds from uh, from different countries could be, you know, could be bad for the environment. It could bring pests, you know, pests. Contaminated, It could contaminate yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 
And I asked Hillary about it, and she goes, yeah, I got one right here. And she pulled, she shows me this bag, and it's a bag of fucking seeds. And it's a thing. It's a thing. And I don't, I wonder if it's, there's a similarity. Like, because, you know, the, the, the tone of the, of the article was basically like, we're being, you know, like, oh, good, seeds, let's plant these fucking seeds. And then it turns into some invasive situation you know some wow. sort but like it, it almost makes more sense of what you're saying in terms of like they're just trying to bolster their sales mm. but it's totally i mean it's that what the, the the article what they were saying is is you should call the u.s uh in the united states you should call the uh department of agriculture or something like that because it's i mean it's illegal it's a little i mean well obviously what are you going to do yeah. but a, but a it's pile of people are getting weird. bags of seeds jeez i what thought you were going to say it was some sort of scam like, yeah. and like you reach back out to the company and say, hey, this came to me by accident. And they're like, oh, just give us your, your bank account number right. and we'll send, we'll fix it and some shit like uh, that. And right. I was like, Oof. well, I mean, you just don't know. But I mean, yeah. You... But that, yeah. the whole, that it, it, it's, it reminded me of this whole weird seed thing, which is, I wonder if other people have heard of it. It's weird. Super weird. Super strange. So, you mm. know, obviously I checked, not, you know, no payment had gone out my bank account to them or anything. It was just, yeah. Very, very strange. Um, so yeah, I, that was my week and, until today. So I'm, I'm very sorry, guys. I was very late to the uh, to the show today. So you guys have been waiting You're around fine. for me. You're fine. So I've got my. I mentioned last week. My sister is over staying over here, and they're looking for houses in the area and so on. So we're out and about throughout throughout the week, looking looking at various houses. And my wife and I came across the house, which is our dream dream house is that before we came to France, we had a list of all the things that we want. And we never found everything that hit every criteria. You know, we're very, we love our house. We're very happy with our house. But we found this house. It's about half an hour from where we live. And it's just thrown a complete spanner in the works now. And we're just like, oh, right. no, what do we do? So, yeah, I've, I've come literally from the house, from the car, straight into the studio here. So we haven't had a chance to really discuss it yet. But I know it's going to be a headache. It's going to be a massive headache. But, oh. Well, that's what you like to do. You like to take on these massive projects. That's your thing. Yeah, it's part of who you are. One. Need to finish this one first. <laughs> I, that's this is part of. I mean, if you listen to the last episode of the Full Blast podcast, you'll know that this is a pattern of things that you normally do. <laughs> Self destruction. Yeah. No, no, like you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, we life. made it. We already made the connection between you and your mother, and your mother's. You know how your mother raised all these foster children, and you take on these babies, and then you let them go and then you're stop on to the next one. Stop trying to unpack me, Jeff. Stop trying to unpack me. I'm telling me you, again. this is not this isn't a surprise at all. This is how you do. <laughs> shall we shall we talk about knives? I suppose that's why we're here. Whatever what do you, you think? Want. Okay. Hey man, can I ask you a question? All right, this is the part of the episode, every episode where you guys ask questions and uh, we do our best to give you some answers. And I'm going to kick him off right here with Matt Yazel. Uh, he says, hey guys, so I walk into my shop yesterday morning after two days off and almost everything has some amount of rust on it. The horn of my anvil, my hammer faces, my little uh, portaband table, and a few other things. Annoying to say the least. This has never happened before. I assume it's because of the humidity we've had here in the Hudson River Valley lately. So I cleaned everything with some good old WD-40 and some steel wool and left everything with a light glaze of WD afterward. Has this ever happened to you guys? Is my shop cursed? How can I prevent this from happening again? Ventilation, witch doctor, what do you think? So what do you guys suggest? Never happened. 
never happened to me. Never. Um, I suppose if you've got that, you know, very high humidity, it could happen. And I've heard people down in like like Florida and so on say that they have terrible issues with with rust all the time. But it's never happened before. That that's. I reckon you're cursed. I reckon you're definitely <laughs> cursed. There you go. That's the answer. Which doctor in? That's that's the solution. Yeah, Matt, witch you're doctor. cursed. It's your fault. You've done something wrong. <laughs> I get it a lot. I mean, it's always like a big change in temperature. And um, I actually have a concrete floor, and I can see it first in the concrete floor. The concrete floor starts to look damp. And then um, my anvils start to get a little bit on the rusty side. So I, I put WD. I always have a slick of WD-40 on everything. And then if I'm mm-hmm. about to forge or something, if it's just super hot, I haven't, I haven't lit the forge in a while. It's just been too hot. But, yeah, I mean – steel stuff gets rusty you know it's, sure. it's, it's part of the you know even untreated you know steel stuff gets rusty yeah i've heard of people using boiled linseed oil or johnson's paste wax as well to to coat especially like an anvil or larger machines like like your like your power hammer or your treadle hammer or something like that or yeah, I don't know. You could paint your anvil. Some people paint their anvils. Sure. I mean, I know that. I mean, you just leave the face and the and then the horn. But you know, that's why a lot of people paint their anvils or rub them down with a lot of grease. And you know, I know if you go to ever see Jesse Savage's shop, everything is covered in grease, covered yeah. in grease, and it's you know, there's no rust. There's no uh, no rust at all. But I mean, you know, obviously it, it's hard to clean up if you start to work and you don't want to be slipping around. Which doctor? Anyway. Yeah, which doctor is the answer? <laughs> Andrea Scalani asks, which part of your workflow and knife-making process is the most scary part for you? I experienced that when I wanted to grind the handles that I spent hours on it. Get crazy anxiety not to mess it up. Once again, thanks for the awesome show. I keep up the great work. So, yeah, the, the scariest part of um, knife-making and your workflow. Well, I can oh. totally understand why Andreas is nervous i mean he makes his own handle scales he he i can't remember what, what he's doing he's using a clear casting resin and makes these super elaborate really cool looking handle scales i can't imagine spending all that time setting that up and casting them and then <laughs> putting on a grinder and saying okay bye bye material um so i can understand why that would be nervous making for him um i would say for myself the most nervous making part for me uh it's kind of, uh, there's a couple times I get really nervous. It's when I'm drawing out my mosaic tile blades because the way I do it is I stack them up like a normal restack. Um, but instead of the, the pieces being, you know, three, four inches deep, uh, they're only like seven eighths or so of an inch deep. And so th- there's concern once after I do my compressing and forging it down and reducing it in height, the way I forge my blade out is then I stretch it back out. And if I do that in too aggressive of a manner, those tiles, I've had them come apart many times um, in the past. And so I've got this system that I use now where I'm just very gently massaging that billet out and drawing that material out. So I'm not working too much at a time. Uh, but every time I'm always crossing my fingers and toes that everything goes well, because the last thing I need is to have spent, you know, three, four, five days on making some steel, a very specific pattern, and then turning around and it going to shit. So uh, there's that. And then when I'm doing my uh, kind of my faceted Western handles, my Japanese cowboy handles, um, just getting all those facets, because everything I'm doing it all freehand. And so 
um, getting those facets and everything symmetrical and matching up and not kind of washing out those hard crisp lines um, can get a little sketchy and, and, and make me very nervous. So for me, I would say those are the, the two times that I really get super nervous in my knife making. What do you think, Craig? Um, used to be like etching, etching logos, because your, your knife is finished apart from, you know, sometimes I'll put them on before the handle. Um, but, you know, the actual blade is finished. Um, and if you're doing like a deep etch, that can, you know, if, you, if you're not getting that right or it's maybe a little bit blurry, it's a real ugh. Um, but hopefully that'll change now with this laser if it eventually comes. Um, but I'd say not so much worried about the knife, but um, that final buffing. Just before I open into packaging, I put everything on the buffing wheel. Um, and generally, you know, things are a little bit greased, um, could be slippery. And then using the buffing wheel just to get that final little little shine before it goes goes away into the post. Um, that always just makes me nervous because I'm just nervous of, you know, hurting myself. Right. Um, and yeah, there's no real way around that, unfortunately. So yeah, it's just a case of, uh, holding tight. Um, because if, if I'm buffing before the handle's on, I use like a jig and I'll, I'll clamp it to the jig so I can use a big bit of two by four and it generally is never going to fall out of my hand. But when it's the finished knife, um, and it's, you know, I even do this after sharpening as well. So you just gotta be super, super careful. Mm. Um, yeah, that's, that's the nervous part for me. Lots of clenching going on at that point. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say sharpening. Sharpening, I have to turn the radio off. I have to like, I, I, I set aside the morning, and mm. I'm, I'm very I like close the doors, turn off the phone, turn off the radio, and like when I'm especially if it's like a pile of them. When I did the um, when I did a when I did a pile of knives like a signature series knives, I'm always like, it's very uh, anxiety making because it's it's the end. And, and it's like yeah. something happens or if you slip and I don't want to get a scratch and I don't want to do this. I want to get it right. And I don't want to have a, I want to get it right. You know? And it's like, it's just, I, I, I find myself not enjoying that part at all because it's it, it's mm -hmm. it, you know, one false move, you know, when you're hand sanding, one false move is in the end, but yeah. when you're sharpening one false move is the end to getting it right. So that's, <laughs> that's the part I dislike the most. So. Do you find yourself getting into a bit of a zone though, and you sort of block everything out, and you you will eventually enjoy it once you've done a few? I don't enjoy it. I enjoy it when I've got my last belt progression before the the buffer, and then mm. I start to do the paper test, and then I can, mm. and then I start to get like very, especially if I'm doing like ten or eleven or even fifty knives. I'm so conscious of the sound of this knife going through the paper. I know something's wrong. And then it's like, am I going to go, I got to go back to 800 grid and I got to back to the buffer. And it's, it's just like, it's such a final thing that like you want to get it right, right. And it's like, mm -hmm. and especially if you're doing a pile of them, you're doing one of them. It's one thing, but you're doing a pile of them and you want them all to be the same. You are just very aware of, you don't want one to slip through the cracks. And, right. and uh, it, you just become very, and you don't want to go backwards. Every time you go backwards, you're taking more material off. So it's like you don't want one to be different than the other. So it's, it's just very like, that's the most regimented I am. But like, I don't, I, uh, I, there have been times where when I had uh, interns, I'd say that's the day you don't come in. Like Fridays don't come in because I was usually sharp on Fridays and I just don't want any distractions, no radio. No people talking to me, no telephone. I don't want anything that could possibly fuck everything up. Yeah. 
And you're usually you're usually doing like a large number, right? Like at least uh, a dozen or so at a time. I mean, at the, I, usually between. I mean, every so often, maybe if I want to get one in the mail uh, early, I'll do two or three at the minimum. But it's like you know, yeah, ten, fifteen, twenty. So it's like mm-hmm. it becomes very you know, it's ang- and I don't use a jig. And I I just kind of use slack belts and uh, it's just you know, you have to be aware that there's not there's no room for error. You don't want to overheat the blade. You got to make sure the water's right. You got to make sure this. You don't want to fucking up. But what happens if you get too close to the belt and you touch the bolster? That's happened before. You want to fucking mm. see some cursing. Go ahead and <laughs> go ahead and sharpen with your belt, and then your be- the edge of the belt touches the bolster, and then you have to re-sand the bolster. That's that's happened a couple times. It doesn't happen anymore. No. But boy, fucking sucks. Yeah, that those final things. They're always just. Because, you know, so you put so much time into a knife and, you know, so much effort and you're, you're proud of it. And, it, yeah, it's the worst thing. It's a kick in the nuts when, you know, the, something goes wrong at the very end. But, uh, ah, it's just part of the job. Part <sighs> of the job. Much easier to make pizza, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> the next one comes to, comes from Nick Corzine. Hey, cuties. I'm throwing my hat in the ring of stainless steel. I picked up some AEBL. And I was wondering, how thick are your aluminum plates that you use to heat treat? Thanks for all the laughs and priceless amount of info for this new maker. Nick wants to know about your your aluminum plates. This one's all you guys. Plates. Right, okay. Um, Mine are um, 25 mil, which is just a a hair under an inch. Um, So, you know, one either side. Uh, I've got a bunch of them. So I put them in the fridge, then cool them quickly and get them back out. Um, yeah, so yeah, inch plate is is more than enough, I think. And how and, and how long are your plates? Um, probably in inches, probably eighteen inches by ten inches. Wow, it's no, a big plate. No, less. No, no, less than that. Eight, eight, eighteen inches. I know how by big your fr- now. I want to know how big your refrigerator is. <laughs> you got like this big, <laughs> you put these big ass plates in your refrigerator. I've got a big big commercial um like. Uh, catering uh, fridge. Look at oh, you. I use. Jeez, look at you. No surprise. Always a surprise out of you. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was from a local restaurant, you know, super cheap, and, and uh, it makes complete sense. So, yeah. <laughs> it does. It um... make complete sense. What do you got in that refrigerator? <laughs> now I want to know what's in that. How, what do you got in that refrigerator? <laughs> I've got a keg of beer. And I've, got... <laughs> <laughs> and I've got a tap on the front, and yeah, these little things. Jesus Christ. Making Look at it happen. You. you are making it happen. You are making it happen. Does it have uh does it have hinging do- hinge doors or is it a slider? How does that work? It is it, it is hinged. He's got a crane. He's got a crane that yeah. opens the front like a moat. <laughs> <laughs> drawbridge. You got a drawbridge and a horse. No, it's it's hinged, but um Actually, I, I've nearly wrecked it because I, I I covered the the front of it with like a with a board so I could put you know stuff on there and all the rest of it. Um, but the weight of it is is actually pulling on the hinges, so I need to take it off. But uh, yeah, back to the plates. So, you know, inch thick is I think is more than enough. And uh, I do what most people do: just get some compressed air. Then, so when you put the the blade in and you sort of sandwich it between the two, um, just use some compressed air to get rid to get rid of that that heat that's coming off quickly. Yeah, and you should be good. It's it 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 varies for me because when I first I only had half inch plates, and the I was noticing that I was getting um, I wasn't getting as good results because this at the time I was also um, quenching eighth of an inch eighth, eighth of an inch material, 
So I actually went to a, I have a, a, a steel yard around here and then they have a scrap bin and then they would sell, you know, scrap aluminum. So I would get three quarter inch by four inch by uh, plates. And then I cut it in half. It was a 30 inch plate. I cut it into two. So two 15 inch plates. And especially for three thirty seconds and for 16th and eighth, it's great. And it's like, and like Craig said, if you have, um, a, uh, a, a good, um, air compressor, it's all you need. The thinner, the, you know, the thinner your the aluminum is the heat sink. So you, you want to make sure that, you know, you're not, you know, taking up too much heat, you know, you want to uh, uh, take away the heat out of your out of your knife when you're, when you're quenching through the plates. So the bigger the better. But you can get you don't need to have you know monster plates. I also I actually have a piece a couple blocks of steel that I've used too. Uh, the aluminum seems to be a little bit lighter and better, but you want you know the biggest you can get. But you don't need to go if you're only making 15 inch long knives. There's no reason to have a you know 40 inch piece of plate. I w- I wonder if if you had a mill and milled grooves in the back so not not on the side like you'd be clamping the knife in just on the back if you if you milled grooves in you're making more of a surface area as well which is why when you see heat sinks they have those like fins because it gives you more of a surface area i wonder if that would help as well but mm. um that'd be a nice experiment to do but uh, but yeah if you got a half if you got inch plates you should be fine and sure. part of the part of the thickness that inch thickness is to help with keeping the blade straight, right? You don't want you couldn't get away with like half inch or quarter inch plates, would you? I don't think that that's a in, you know, I've put knives in straight and then they come out straight. Mm. But if they're if they have a little bit of warp when you put them in, the plates aren't going to stop the warp. Mm. In my experience, it's going to naturally go to where it was, you know. I see. So what I actually do is um I will quench under the plates in the air for about like 20 seconds and then I'll rip them out of the foil and then I'll, you still have enough time to straighten them because I don't count, I don't clamp them down because I don't trust that it's going to be exactly the same every time. And then a lot of it has to do with when you, you're putting it in, like, you know, when you're putting your knives in, you want to put them in straight to begin with. You don't want to put them, put them in as a banana and hope they're going to go straight. (laughs) Right. So, but, um, I know that I don't think, I don't trust that the plates are going to make sure that they're straight. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So I do if if I've got any sort of warp, um, what I'll do I'll I'll because I generally heat treat a bunch of knives at once, um, and I've got this like little rig thing. So I've got um, half inch steel plates. Um, that they're, they're like the, uh, the the aluminium plates that I'd use for the cooling, but these I use these for tempering. So I'll get I'll get all the blades. So it can be sometimes like seven, eight, nine, ten blades. Sandwich all of them together between oh, wow. these um, steel plates. Use some G, some steel G clamps um, to clamp it all up together. So it's one big unit, which I'll then put put into temper all at once, um, and that's just like one mass of heat then for tempering. And and because they've all they're all next to each other and they're all you know clamped in firm, I've never I've never had anything come out with a bend afterwards. Hmm. So right. yeah, that that seems to work for me. But you know, um, I think. You know, that- a, a lo- and because I don't do any grinding before that anyway, so everything is completely flat. There's no angles to worry about. That's one of the things I started to do the past couple of years, and I think it was because of you guys and stuff like that. I, I used to think, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I want to pre, I thought I wanted to pre-grind before um, heat treating because I thought it would be easier on the belts, which is true. But the mm-hmm. problem is, is if you, especially if you put in a distal taper and you grind in your bevels and then you play quench, there's a lot of chance for the knife to go crazy be, because yeah. 
it the whole surface isn't you know some of some of your knife towards the tip is floating or if you hold it down it could be pushing against your distal taper and then you can actually make the warp worse so that's why i stopped i heat treat full thickness for the reason that yes it does help you keep it straight um straighter and it's worth the it's worth the extra work only because i want to make sure that they're straight 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 yeah, and if you're using, you know, new sharp belts anyway, it's not really an issue. And, you know, we all use... Combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! That was slick. Right so there. if you're using a shredder, for example, from Combat... Um, you don't really have to worry so much about the extra hardness when it comes to grinding. Um, so no real need for sort of preheat treat grinds. Sure. Um, but yeah, every everybody's slightly different. Everybody's got a different way. But um, yeah, the, the straighter you can make, the more parallel you can make those edges before they go into the plate, the, the more likely you'll be not to have any sort of bending. I'm giving you a clap for that slip-in. That slip-in, that combat slip-in was <laughs> fucking tight. That was a tight little slip-in. Didn't even see it coming. <laughs> okay, next one is from um, Jordan Dans, I think. Um, hey, man, can I ask you a question? Do you guys ever accept additional money to bump a customer to the front of the line? For example, a customer wants a knife for a special event um, and is late to the party. Can they pay you extra to start their knife sooner? Hmm. Mm, people uh, jump in queues. What, what do you guys Mareka, what do you do? Because I know you've got a long list. If somebody's willing to pay extra, will you will you bump them up? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I haven't come really, on, com- I haven't really, on. I haven't really come up against it, really. Really, so, really. No. I mean, yeah, no, I haven't. People have just said, "All right, cool," and they just take their place in line. Hmm. I've I've had um, like restaurants <laughs> say, I've had restaurants say they've got they've got a, an order and they want it, you know, sooner than later, and could they could they pay extra, um, and. And I mean, to me, extra is, is, a, is a weird thing. It's like, you know, what does the extra cover? Because it's still the amount of work for me. And if anything, it's a bit more stressful. So I, I have, you know, bumped people in queues, but I, I wouldn't charge them more personally. I just think, you know, I'll do what I can to, to make it work. Um, I think charging people for it is, a bit, is is a little bit strange because there's somebody else on the list who are going to be sort of bumped back. Well, you don't tell um, them. <laughs> you know, that's the, that's the you guys are, what, what are you supposed to do? Tell them everything? <laughs> hey sorry man i can't yeah. work on your knife this guy paid more <laughs> you gotta keep your mouth shut yeah maybe um yeah i've i've, I've never done it but Jeez. yeah I, I have been asked and i'll just say look look i you know i'll i won't charge you more but i'll see what i can do kind of thing and you, you hope to get it done quicker as far as far as it goes for me really i will say like uh, uh in addition to what jeff was saying uh, right there already i i have um, juggled things, uh, people, and kind of reorganized the order of things because specifically, mm. um, because realistically, the customers don't know the exact order of things, and you know some people are are fine waiting an extra week or whatever so that you can, so that somebody else or uh, like I said, you don't tell them, but you know they don't know the difference realistically. Um, but if somebody else does have like a uh, kind of a time crunch coming up and you feel like you can accommodate that. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Hmm. I have yeah. a funny story that happened. This is funny. I know I is say it's it, funny Jeffrey? story. A couple years ago, a couple <laughs> of years ago, can't wait. 
I got a call a couple years ago. Tony sent me a message saying there's this woman who wants to get a knife. And she's she's she needs it in two weeks, and she knows that she's asking a lot. Could you talk to her? I said sure. So she said, I called her up, and she says, "Thank you for taking my call. I am about to uh, pop the question to my boyfriend, and I believe that this knife will help, or he's going to pop the question to me, or there was I don't remember. No, he's she thinks that if she gives him the knife, he will ask her to marry her <laughs> for Christmas. She's a big Christmas person, and I listen to her. We're talking. I'm making jokes. And I'm talking to her, and I said to her." Well, you're gonna, we're, you're gonna. I'll do it on one condition. And she says, "What?" She's. I said, "If if he doesn't ask you to marry you, I get the knife back." And there was silence on the phone. And I was like, "I'm serious." I say, like, "If I stop everything, and make you this knife, I have it delivered, ready to go, and he doesn't ask you to marry him, he doesn't ask you, I get the knife back." And she says, "Deal." And then I sent her. I was kidding, obviously. I'm not going to fucking know. What do you think? I'm not a giant. I'm not a giant asshole. I'm a mediocre asshole. But I just thought it was funny. I was just like, I just wanted to know that there are stakes involved with me stopping everything to do everything. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting the knife back. She don't ask. So after, you know, January, she sent me a picture with the wedding ring and he asked her to marry her. So that was uh, kind of a nice, it was a nice little funny story. And I was very happy, but she was very shocked when I said that she didn't have, the pressure was on. I said, yeah. I'm telling you right now, that knife is coming back here. So that's a very endearing story. I, I, that's how I do. That's how I do. But I, I've, uh, I've juggled too. Heartwarming, Jeff. That's how it is. I, look, I wanted to make sure that she understood the gravity of the situation. What do you, I'm not going to just, you know, here, I mean, that's the thing. She could have, she could have been lying to me. I just wanted to let her know that, you know, she shouldn't have to invite me to the wedding. But I mean, at the same and time, also, it's... you could charge more because this is now a wedding knife. It's like a cake. Anybody can buy a cake, but if it's a wedding cake, it's 10 times Well, it was cost. cheeky as shit. This because was a wedding it, knife. It's cheeky as shit because she's hoping that this gift is going to inspire him to ask her to mar- ask him to marry her. You know, it's just like, as a, as a pretty, that's a, that's a bold and uh, desperate move, as, if, as far as you ask me. Like, if, if it's all de- depending on that, yeah, I don't know if that's such a good idea. But, uh, you know, Julia uh, Collins-Davidson really wanted this knife before filming, and I kind of made sure that I, she had it before filming. And we had a – Tony had a thing where we was like, we were going to – you know, if, if somebody was adamant about it, well, we would charge him a percentage, but we never have. I mean, we've always mm. – he'll send me a message saying, do you think you could get this out early? And I'm like, yeah, 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 we'll take care of it. So I've never really – I mean, you can, in theory, and we, we've tried to, but at the same time, I'm, I am a bit of a softie, so I don't get too – I don't get too, like – it's a twenty percent upcharge. We don't really. We've never yeah, installed it. Sure. But when yeah. it comes to to upcharging and stuff like that, I think I mean, realistically, it's not an uncommon practice in other form other businesses. And like if like Craig with the boxes, you know, if you wanted to expedite it, I guarantee they have an expedition fee. Where oh, they oh yes, up, yeah. Up pay yeah. it when you get it sooner. I mean, it's not uncommon. It's just. It comes down to whether I think it comes down to whether or not it makes sense for you if you can afford to do that, if you have the time. Um, you know, maybe it feels wrong in your heart to charge people extra to get something earlier. I don't know. It's just I think it's a personal question more than anything. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to actual business, I mean, when it comes to your workflow, I mean, so, you know, it's not an uncommon practice. No, I, guess. I just yeah. wanted to add. 
I, I, I think particularly in the print industry as well, because sure. you're paying for the, the machine's time and they, they want to get these machines to be running 24 hours a day. So if you jump right. in the queue, but yeah, it's the same for us. You're paying for our machine's time and our, and our time. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a bit more of a personal thing that we do compared to, you know, a big print house who are just, you know, a faceless print house kind of thing, you know? I'll sure. be honest with you because we're in, because I'm in the custom knife business and I, I tend to not want to nickel and dime everybody. Because I think that ultimately I want to just keep the ball rolling and customer service is such a huge part of my return business. If people are having a good experience, they're likely to come back. I mean, I just we just sent out our newsletter for the Trevor Kunk knife and I have people from like five years ago ordering this thing. I was just like, I hadn't heard it from them at all. Nice. They had gotten good customer service and I've helped people out. I'm like, you know, whatever, sentimental this or sentimental that and can you can you think you could do this and can you do that? And I don't, I don't, you know, get out the taxi meter and and, and hmm. get them for everything. Is I honestly, I think that good customer service will goes farther than you know jacking someone for you know fifteen bucks. Yeah. You know, and I just I tend to tend to believe that you know I like to I don't like high highs and low lows. I like to be right down the middle all the time. Mm-hmm. So cool. Okay, shall I take the next one? Moonshine Metalwork says, "Hey cuties." When asked about getting better at forging, in particular, how do I get better at forging knives? Our answer is always the same, which is make 100 of them. Um, then make 100 more. We constantly preach about getting the basics right and how much that simple practice improve your smithing immensely. What about for stock removal and edge grinding? Are there any simple tasks that really help you hone your skills in that respect that may not just be make more knives? Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. He, uh, Moonshine, that's Steve House, and he works with Alex Pohl and, and Joe, hmm. and he's over there at the Forge. Yeah. Good dude. So, yeah, how, how to get better at stock removal and edge grinding. Um, what have you got, Jack? I think, I think it's, unfortunately, it is repetition. You know, it's, yeah. it's repetition and also having mental milestones where you know where you're supposed to be. Like, one of the things that's not constant with grinding is you don't, depending on the belts that you use, they wear out differently. So, like, you know, using the same belt for a long period of time, you need to kind of feel quickly when the belt needs to be changed. And I think that a lot of that is just constant doing it and then having these mental milestones of you know where you're supposed to be. Perfect examples when you're drilling holes. If your drill bit is is not sharp and it, you're just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there and you're not realizing it's not cutting, it's just going back and it keeps it keeps twisting and twisting and twisting. You you have to have these mental milestones to know, okay, stop because I'm 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 heating I'm heating up the steel and I'm work hardening it. There has to be these mental milestones to know when you need to go on to the next thing. Yeah. And that comes with experience. Yeah. Yeah. Repetition of doing things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I work slightly different to you guys, so I'll generally not grind for maybe, maybe six weeks. And then I'll have like three weeks of just solidly grinding the same knife over and over and over again. And Mm. what I find sometimes is that those, when I, when I get back to grinding, it's almost like, Oh geez, I forgot what to do again here. And it can take like an hour or two to get back into the back into the swing of things. So you, you know you're back in that sort of zone. Um, so you know I, I'll generally scrap a few blades at the beginning, you know, almost on purpose. I know I know this is going to be a scrap blade. So uh, yeah, I'm just sort of getting get, getting the feel for it again. 
but once you do, I, I love that process of just doing that same thing over and over again to get through maybe 100 grinds or 150 grinds. I actually enjoy that. Sure. But yeah, if you haven't done it for some time, it can be a bit of a, oh, okay, what do I, what do, I do next? Yeah. I mean, for me, I think one of the hardest things about grinding, and, and this is from the perspective of freehand grinding, because that's, that's all I've done, that's all I know, but it, it's approaching the platen and, and, and setting your material, your blade, back up to that face of the platen with that belt whizzing by at, it seems like a million miles an hour, and setting, and approaching it and, and landing on it flat. And I think that is probably one of the hardest things for any kind of stock removal or grinding aspect of the blade. I mean, almost all knives need to be ground at some point. So, um, and I think um, one thing, if you want to really start practicing, get a, get a good hang of that kind of approach and and placing that flat surface, your knife, sur the face on the platen, you, that's one of those times, I think just a, a bar of, you know, one and a half by half inch um, by whatever, 16 inches of mild steel, that could actually be really useful and handy for just getting a, a good feel for that, as well as kind of like w when I'm grinding it and freehand grinding, say I'm grinding edge up, and I feel like I need to take a little bit more material away from the cutting edge, I do this, just this very gentle, slight twisting motion with my hand. And so... Um, you know, it's, it's also an opportunity to kind of practice that. And, you know, say, say you feel really good with uh, contacting the whole face flat, then you can, you know, if you have uh, die makers uh, uh, ink or whatever, whatever, layout die, you can bl uh, like blue out or red out, whatever with that ink. And then you can go back to approaching that, that surface of the, of the platen and, and say you want to focus just a little bit on the top edge or you want to focus more at the bottom edge you can instantaneously see what's going on with a piece of material that isn't going to cost you an arm and a leg or a, you know several hours of time um i don't know that would be my advice for somebody who's trying to get used to grinding on a 2x72 especially if even if you're like stepping up from one by thirty-two by seventy-two, the very different things, and they remove material at a different rate, and so I don't know. That to me, that was always the trickiest part, and even still, sometimes I struggle with that. And part of the way that I I, I practice my grinding is when I'm grinding my billets. I I I used to do all my Damascus billets uh, by hand uh, with an angle grinder. Uh, and you know, so you clamp it up in a like a vise of some sort and grind away. But um, I was struggling with keeping the face, the what would become the the faces that are being welded back together, keeping them really nice and flat. Um, and I wanted tighter joints, and I realized that I can just grind it on my belt grinder, and that would make sure that it's really nice and flat from edge to edge, and it's good practice for grinding, free especially freehand grinding. Um, so. That's I'd say a VFD. VFD is a, is a massive oh, help sure. as well, being able to Absolutely. slow things right down yeah. just to make sure, as you say, you're making that contact with it with a flat face. Um, you know, it's, it's a bit more forgiving, obviously, if, you, if, you, if you're a bit slower. Um, but yeah, if you've got a grinder that, you, you know, you set up well and it's got a VFD, um, you can soon get back into the swing of things very, very quickly. For sure. And I know, Jeff, you, I know your grinder is, is very, very flexible and you can use, you know, with a VFD and so on. What grinder is that? 
Um, well, you tell us, what was your favorite grinder, Jeff? I use a Broadbeck Ironworks 2x72 grinder by the guys at Broadbeck's, Broadbeck Ironworks. That's Vince and Ryan. They make a beautiful 2x72 grinder, and it's very flexible. It's very versatile. You can use it horizontally. You can use it vertically. It's got a super long platen. It's got a long uh, rest. It's very. Uh, you can move it from side to side for if you're you putting jigs if you're using jigs and you've got a long knife to use they have great attachments wheels and and slack belt attachments and uh uh little contact wheels and it's it's they're making beautiful new parts for these for this uh grinder and if you go to broadbeckironworks.com and put in knife talk 10 you get 10% off. So get yourself a Broadback Ironworks grinder. I know you guys have been dealing with them recently, and I talked to Ryan, uh, Vince, and these guys are great. And if you have questions about these grinders, please, please, please reach out to them because they are they were gonna get, they'll give you more information than you ever thought you'd need without hard selling you. They're great. They're super helpful. And the shipping's included in the price, so you don't have to worry about that. There's no bells and whistles, and there's no fooling around. It's, it is what it is. And follow them on Instagram because they're constantly doing these great sales. So quick sales. Uh, but at, right now, if you put in Knife Talk 10, they'll give you 10% off on your grinder. Nice. Cool. Cool. And that's, that's broadbackironworks.com. Boom. 10% off? That's it. That's a hell of a lot. You can thank Chris Cash. Chris Cash, yes. this is Chris Cash, you don't fuck around. He he called up Vince and he said, This five percent's bullshit. You gotta put it ten percent. Vince said, All right, all right, whatever you say, Chris. I did get a message from Chris Cash saying that's exactly what happened, by the way. He's like, You were not lying. He's like, That is exactly what I said. He said five percent's bullshit. And he he forced them into bumping it up in their five percent. So that's you can funny. all thank Chris Cash of the Axe and Iron podcast. Awesome. Maybe the second, or maybe the third. I don't know. Third best podcast, uh, knife related. Probably the second. Yeah, they're, they're Jews blacksmith. They do blacksmiths. They don't do much knife stuff. Wow, wow. <laughs> All right, this, should Shall I take we? this next one? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. If you take this one, uh, Morocco, and myself and Jeff will look down the list and pick one each, okay. and then we'll move on to something different. All right, this next one is from Tom Scott. He says, hey, guys, only been listening recently, but love what you do. My question is on shop space. If size and noise limits were not an issue, would you prefer to have a shop on your property for an easy commute and low overhead? Or would a space detached from your home be preferred for a uh, psychology of going to work rather than being around, uh, fucking around in the shed, being at home all the time, basically? So what do you guys think your preferences would be? I guess uh, if That's... you guys want to keep looking, at, I'll, I can start with mine. Yeah, you start. Yeah, sure. Okay. Ideally, I would love to be on at least a couple acres and have a detached, uh, like two bay shop. That would be perfect. I think, you know, something around a thousand square feet would be plenty of space for what I would need to do, uh, as well as the potential of uh, offering classes from time to time or doing small hammerings or get-togethers. Um, but also just to have a little extra space for other side projects and have, maybe even have like a woodworking crafting side um because oh you know i would imagine uh you know woodworking has always been a big part of my life all, all throughout my life and so i would definitely like to have something like that uh but i ideally i would like to be at home um also the rules and the laws when it comes to owning a business and insurance and all that kind of shit is a lot easier 
when you're doing it at home versus in a commercial space or more public kind of space that you don't own that you're leasing from. And then there's the issue of potentially, you know, the landlords or whoever and what kind of problems they might have with you basically playing with fire uh, and the hazards that come along with it. Um, yeah, it just things seem to be a lot easier at home. Uh, I, I, you know, I worked from home for a little while um, when the COVID thing all started started up. I, was, I brought a lot of stuff from my shop so I can stay busy uh, here at home. And it was actually pretty, it, it was actually kind of nice it helped give my wife more of a break throughout the day um, with with our son so that, you know, I could pop in and help with the dude. And, and so it's not on her all day, every day. Um, and so that helped uh, on that side of the, the family side of things. But yeah, I think ideally I would like to have a, a, probably a shop on my own property with a little bit of acreage and plenty of room to make noise. Now I've got my shop is within within my house yeah so um literally my back kitchen there's a door which takes you into into my shop um and you know what sounds great that it, it's always there it's at hand that's also a problem that, I am, that i'm there and i'm at hand um yeah it's it's difficult having you know with, with a young family having you know it's easy to m- not be in the shop because I can hear mm. the the kids and so on, and, and you know, I, and I can always be with them. Um, but also, the my shop has become like a dumping ground for anything else yes. in the house that we don't know where it should be. And it's just like you know, we, we go to change a plug, and you need a, a screwdriver. It's then you know, my shop door is open, and right. it's just plonked on the desk there, and and it's just like. So whenever I go in there, it takes me a long time to tidy up before I do anything because it's just the dumping ground. So the ideal for me is detached, like within the property boundaries, but detached. So it's not actually part of the house. So at the end of the day, I can shut the door and that's it. it it's not part of the house. Um, but I'd love sort of the you know a dirty space where you know all the grinding happens. Um, I'd love like like a mezzanine above that then and have like a, almost like a design studio where it's completely clean Jesus and all the uh, like electronic stuff is is sort of kept. So I know you know it's going to be dust free. Um, and then have like a uh, like a midpoint. So you, you've got your, your dirty grind area. I then like a point where I could, you know, my glue ups and that kind of stuff is done. Um, and then the super clean area, which would be the sort of design studio. That that's the dream. Uh, and who knows? Maybe maybe one day. Uh, maybe next week, if my wife has anything to oh, do with geez, it. But... <laughs> oh my god, Mr. Mezzanine. Mezzanine Lockwood is ready. But for I, it. I can picture exactly how I, how I'd love the setup. Um, and you know, under the mezzanine is a grinding area, and you know that can be screened off then, so you know it's it's completely, completely clear. Because my my grind room is literally a cupboard; it is tiny. Um, and yeah, th- you know, when you've got a room that's full of dust, being small, it's it's not a nice place to be. It really isn't. I agree with both of you, and both 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 of you. It, it's very interesting because when I first started, my shop was in my shed and my basement, so I had a basement and a shed. And I liked the fact that I could run in. Like, there was one time I couldn't sleep and I just ran in the shop. You know, it was very, like, convenient. I glued something up at 4 o'clock in the morning. It was very convenient to do something for 15 minutes. You know, you know, sometimes you can do something that'll just be 15 minutes or 20 minutes. So you can just get it done and go back in the house. But having a shop off the property allows me to have certain working hours. Yeah. So I'm not running in and out of the house. Um, 
and like hmm. it, it it's a mental thing of like I used to get all the time friends of mine would call me up say you want to go fishing and be like no I'm working what do you mean you're working you're working for yourself you can do whatever you want I'm like no 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 it's I need the separation of home and work so yeah. it's very You're removed from that distraction removed from yeah. the distraction because then it becomes everything comes a little bit too flexible that's the one thing and the other thing is exactly right all of a sudden my shit when I had my shed the shot I had to move I had the snowblower and I had the this and then another bullshit and then it wasn't yeah. like a knife shop and it wasn't I had to fool around you know can you fix this and then all of a sudden I have a lamp and then you know I, I hated that so I would. I think you guys are basically saying the same thing, which is basically somewhere uh, on the property that you owned. Obviously, you don't want to be renting for the rest of your life. And that was separate only because you can make that separation. And I think that would be really that would be really good. I like my situation now because it's very I'm about two miles from my house. So I don't really it's not close enough that I could, you know, I don't get I wouldn't walk home. But um, I can go. I go for lunch, let the dogs out, and stuff like that. And if my daughter needs something, I'm close by. But that was one of the things when I first started in is being able to be working out of the house is because my daughter was much younger and I had there were more responsibilities. So you guys are in a different spot than I am. And I got my I got a 15 year old. She's much more uh, mature. She doesn't need to be, you know, um, taken care of as much as you guys do. So I agree. Yeah, I like a separation. Oh. I like a separation. Yeah, I'm sort of longing for that at the moment. But uh, yeah, we see where we go. I'll I'll take the next one from Studio Sing. Uh, My wife and I have decided to start a family. We're really excited. Understandably, being a a father and a husband will take priority. What tips do you guys have in order to find the balance, if any, between raising a family and also growing a knife product business? Tricky, tricky, tricky. Tricky. There's no tips. <laughs> it's super hard. <laughs> super, super hard. And uh, that goes in with the last question as well. Like for me here, my business is, is run here in the same place as where, where the kids are. And um, my wife works full time too. And the kids aren't old enough for nursery yet. So we're sort of co-parenting, you know, uh, whilst working busy jobs, the two of us. So it's just hard. And you just got to, you just got to find the time. And if it's something that you really want to be doing, You'll find the time. And, you know, I quite often find myself, you know, past midnight still in the shop doing stuff. Mm. Um, if it's something that you want to be doing, you, you've just got to find the time. Unfortunately, you just need to, you know, grin and bear it. it it's, it's part of it. And, you know, just enjoy the time when, when, you, when you are being able to spend the time with the family because, you know, count yourself lucky because not everybody has that time. So, yeah, you just got to make it happen, unfortunately. Yeah, I think clear communication of expectations uh especially with your your partners are are is the one of the most important things so they they know when to expect you especially if you're you know you work i guess wherever your workshop is when basically when you're going to be available uh to help with the family um because family is a it's a lot of work it's there's a lot that goes into it and and it's you know it's 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 best shared it's the best it's a load best shared and bared by both parents um so yeah yeah, i think clear communications especially about expectations around uh yeah what your work day is gonna look like when are you gonna be home what are you gonna help with um because not knowing those things between the two of you can 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 cause some kind of unnecessary stress or frustration um um, and, and last thing you want is also, you know, any kind of weird resentment or anything 
uh, developing. And then when it comes to the business side, I think kind of trying to work up a strategy of, of how you are going to get your name out there and, and let people know who you are and what you're doing. I think the biggest thing you can do is just be consistent on social, especially on social media, just being consistent about your posts when you post, um, and showing, I think what Jeff does is, is really great. He keeps a lot of the dirty work in his stories. Um, and then he keeps his Instagram really clean, finished products. And it looks, it's a very, it's, it's like a portfolio in a way he has somewhere to direct people directly, uh, to see what he's done in the past, especially if it's a custom order, what he's done in the past, you know, what he's capable of, you know, what kind of options there are and stuff like that. He can, he has direct examples to draw on. Um, I think Craig does the same thing. I, my, my Instagram's kind of a mess. I haven't, <laughs> in a way. I have do you know what? I haven't been using Instagram for chop for okay. months now. And I've got so much that I need to put on there, but I'm just a stickler sure. to make sure the pictures are right. And they make me sure. some editing and all the rest of it. And I'm just like, I just haven't got around to it. And yeah, it's just one, one, you know, one more job that I just need to get on top of. So yeah, that's a good example that it, it's bloody yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, you said, you know, well, you know, being a father and a husband will take priority. Um, so yeah, I respect that. And, you know, you just got to, like I said, if you want it that bad, you'll find the time because that's what it's going to take. It, it, it's going to take time. Yeah. Well, thank you for that nice compliment. I appreciate it. Now, Singh, I have a tip for you. The tip is don't play fucking games with your marriage. And I say that because a lot of people do not know how to communicate with their spouses. And they come up there. There's, don't be passive aggressive. Learn how to not play games. I think that a lot of couples have their problems because they go down this road of playing these mental games of being sarcastic or being obnoxious or being a dick or being an asshole or being passive aggressive. <laughs> and I see it all the time. And what happens is, is when you start to input in all these goddamn fucking games, it's infuriating. I have friends of mine of marriages have been ruined because the guy's a dick. You know, and he thinks it's funny. He thinks he's being funny, but you guys are partners. And if you gotta, you gotta not play games, you have to show respect and you have to do what you're supposed to do. It makes life so much easier. It makes life easier. I don't know what, I got a friend of mine. He loves to be an asshole to his wife. And he said, he thinks it's funny. And he says that, he says to me, and I, he looks at me, he's like, isn't that funny? I said this to her and, I, and I'm looking, I'm like, this just seems like it's a lot of work. It just seems like yeah. you're making life harder on yourself. I'm serious. Yeah, no. Yeah, they like to I fight, agree. or they, or or the two of them, like the the, the 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 husband and the wife, they like to fight. They think it's funny, and like, or they humiliate each other in front of in front of their friends. And it's yeah. just like, why? Who needs this in your life? Why do you need? Why are you making your life so much harder by playing these goddamn games? Yeah. I don't understand it. And I very, very my fun. wife and I are very. I mean, we've been together for a long time. I give her a shit ton of respect. I, uh, we, I have, you have to be flexible in a marriage. And like you were saying, you got to ex express your expectations and stuff like that. But at the same time, you got to, you, you, the, the linchpin of this is going to be the relationship you have with your wife. Guaranteed. It's either going to go easy or it's going to go hard. Yeah. Relationship. Talk. That's it. I'm telling you, I, I, I'm telling you, I got a friend who's such a douchebag. I just want to like slap him around. And I said, you're not impressing me with this behavior. I said, if you're trying to, if you're trying to like talk poorly about your wife in front of me and to her and you're trying to impress me, it ain't working. <laughs>
I think you're an asshole. And I'd it's d- your wife as well. It's your wife. Why I know. You I, it's a cr- Put down your, you, wife, your own wife. Here's the funny thing. <laughs> Pete, I heard this Joe Rogan said a long time ago. Assholes raise assholes. They they learn how to behave from the people that they're who raise them. And if they and they behave in a manner that's antisocial, what do you expect? <laughs> These people don't realize it's you know the whole what is you get you bring flies with honey, not vinegar. You know, be nice, be good, don't lie, be a good person, and stop fucking around. And then you maybe it'll be life will be a little bit easier for you. Instead, you got to be passive aggressive and you got to fool around. Oh, fuck you, you're making a mistake. <sighs> okay, Jeff, right. you take you take one more All question. Right. Then we'll Simon Rance has a question. While doing some forging, a large piece of slag went down the top of my shirt, from my shoulder to my chest, to my belly button. Onto my oh. balls, and then down Uh-oh. my leg, and then down my leg to my knee, and into my boot. How the hell do I tell my wife why I'm putting burn cream on my balls? <laughs> yeah, and don't blame it on a slag because in the UK a slag is something very. <laughs> What's <different>. slag? <laughs> is that like a slag? A slag is a very loose woman. So if you, if you put cream on your balls because of a slag, it's, you're, you're in trouble. That's the best. Oh man, the best. Yeah. Oh um. man. Oh, I wish we still we still had a certain sponsor on board for this. Well, I um, mean, you know, look, it was a one and done. What, were you, what, were you, what did you ex- what did you expect, yeah. everybody? I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, you, you motherfuckers don't don't even comb your own hair. Why well, do we expect you to shave your balls? It's, just like, it's, a, it's a it's a big ask. That is a big ask. Getting these mother getting you motherfuckers to clean your fucking balls up. That's a big. That's a big mountain to climb. Have you two ever had any um, hot debris, should we call it, um, going into sensitive areas? Have I had a hot slag go down my ass? Yeah, I actually have. <laughs> when I was in college, I used to love welding in a fucking T-shirt, and a V-neck T-shirt, and a, I, I was MIG welding, and I was clearly, my wire speed was too fast, and I was too far away, and it was spattering, and a spatter went up and down the back of my shirt, and it rolled down my back, and then I took my hand, I was like, ah, and I put my hand down to push it, to kind of put it out, you know, because you just think that it's going to go away. I took a shower three hours later, and I dug around back there, and I pulled this piece of steel out of my back. I had oh. embedded it into my back. So I've been yeah. there. I I am like, I hate any kind of welding mishaps. I don't like the sunburns. I don't like welding. I, I'll wear head to toe. I'll wear like, a, I'll wear like a, a whole outfit because I'm so old and tired of welding accidents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fucking slags. <laughs> so just tell me, don't, what, what do you got? What do you, what do you got to rub your balls with cream in the middle of the living room? Get, have a little bit of privacy for God's sake. I mean, why, why does she, we all know you need a teaspoon. I mean, <laughs> that's right. I mean, what do you, I mean, what do you do? What do you, what do you, you can't close the door of the bathroom. She got to watch you put the burn cream on your balls in the middle of the your bedroom. Have a little bit of privacy, dude. Um, problem solved. She don't want to see you rubbing you your balls. You, you don't want to see you any... rub your balls anyway. Ever had any accidents with um, hot debris? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I have. Uh, when I, when I, I might have told this story before, but when I worked for Bob Kramer, I was making some Damascus, and uh, at the time I was using, I was very uh, flux latent Damascus ma- maker, and so flux uh, is the stuff you put on the outside, and it becomes basically like a liquid glass, and um, on your first couple strikes under the power hammer, it sprays all over the place. And uh, I, ha- I was geared up anticipating it, and but what I hadn't anticipated is it bouncing off of 
my sh like my right shoulder as I'm setting the first round on underneath this 500 pound mechanical hammer and it bounces down my arm and into my glove and so now I'm <laughs> I'm still working to set the first round of welding with my left hand while I'm shaking off my glove with my right hand with this giant 500 pound ram hammering ram in my face uh, that was probably one of the scariest ones otherwise you know I've I've had forge scale pop up um, and land like right on my eyelid like maybe a quarter inch underneath my eye um, several times um, you know I've burned been burned a lot but i i'm so confused what confuses me about this question is was he like it went down his shirt and do you think he like pinched the front of his shirt and was kind of poofing it out and 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 somehow it made it i don't understand like why his waistline is so loose that it just made maybe its way he's, maybe he's a down thin guy. his pants i mean maybe he's just wearing a, a smock I just I'm gonna say he was thin. I think say he was thin, and he was a, wearing a billowy t-shirt, and it just kind of <laughs> right down to the, the old nuts, you know. I think hey, it's yeah, an yeah, excuse. Yeah. I think he's got something else going on down there. <laughs> I think it's just an excuse. Yeah. I think burn cream. I I, I burn I my ball. How do I, I burn my ball? Yeah, exactly. I, How do I I, I'm gonna it? give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna just say. <laughs> You know, I would think a burn on the balls would be pretty bad, to be honest with you, because that is a that is some sensitive skin right there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sensitive. My gosh. Like an eyelid. Right. Whilst we're talking about um it's got nothing to do with it. I don't know what I don't know where that lead was going. I want to tell you about sandpaper um, <laughs> from from Indasa. So we all use Rhino Wet yeah. because there's a number of reasons, but the main one is it gets the job done. It gets the job done quickly, and if it gets it done quickly, it's saving you money. So yeah, Rhino Wet, which is the best sandpaper you could possibly use for your for your hand sanded, made by Indasa. You can get it from Texas Farrier Supply, which is TexasFarriersupply.com. They sell lots of knife-making equipment. They've actually got a new website which went live this week, yeah. which they're now loading up with all their knife-making supplies. So go take a look because you can also use the, the promo code KNIFETALK10 to get 10% off your order. So go take a look, TexasFarrisSupply.com. Have a look at their knife-making section. See what they've got. But they definitely have Rhino Wet. So get yourself over there and use KNIFETALK10 for your 10% off. Awesome. So, shall we? Um, last week, Mareko started a new bit where he's recommending things for the week, things that he'd seen within the week. Oh, the highlights. Let's get straight into that. The highlight reel. Anything, this highlight reel. Yeah, we need, to, we need to jingle for it. I'll work on that for next week. Okay. Uh, you got to get I that have... guy. You got to get that. Sorry, you got to get that guy to say something. I love that guy. He sounds like uh, the guy. The guy who just did the... calls anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's go to the highlights. No, the guy yeah. who does the uh, the guy, the new guy. I like the new guy. It sounds like David Putty from Seinfeld. That's a little insane. The new oh, guy. yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> It's like food for your ears. That guy is yeah, just like guy. David Putty from Seinfeld. It's great. Exactly. Yeah, he does sound like that guy. All right. Well, I have some very minor news. Um, I'm not going to make it to Maker Camp in October. Oh, no. Yeah, I had to, to back out. Uh, I talked with Austin. We had a really good conversation. And I just, um, in in kind of the current times and everything that's going on right now, um, you know, I have people outside of myself that I need to think of. Yeah. Um, most particularly my, my, my in-laws, my parent-in-laws, uh, my wife's parents. Yeah. Just gotta, gotta be thinking about those, those other folks right sure. now. And so right now, 
yeah, traveling and potential exposure, not necessarily from the maker camp, but just this year is all kind the of disgusting people in between. <laughs> this, this, this whole year is kind of should be a wash, but I mean, yeah. it's like, I don't think anyone, I mean, it's totally understandable. Sure. But I have talked to him, you know, things uh, for next year, as long as everything is still going or is, is in better shape for travel and all that stuff. Uh, I'll definitely be on board for next year, but unfortunately this year, I'm not going to make it to maker camp, which is a huge bummer. Cause I was really excited to see you again, Jeff and hang yeah. out and the, the modern forge guys, as well as meet some, um, some people I've never met before, but have been following, um, through the Instagrams and stuff like that. So good. Anyways. Dudes. Yeah. Uh, Oh, this goes back to, we, we talked about Burger King, like the, uh, the Whopper versus the Big Mac. Right. Ah, yes. Yeah. Right. A long time ago. Yeah. So I saw here, this is the thing. It says McDonald's loses EU trademark battle over the Big Mac. Burger King starts trolling them and it shows a picture of the Big Mac menu and a portion of their menu is called not Big Macs. <laughs> <laughs> and it has a list of all the different things, uh, the foods they're offering. I just thought that was funny to bring up because, yeah. because Jeff I'm foolishly I'm thinks, yeah, I am too. Jeff foolishly yeah. thinks the Big Mac is superior to the Whopper. I don't understand it. Don't foolishly think. I know it is. <laughs> so it's just, I, I'll, I'll take a Big Mac over a Whopper any day. Well, sticking on a food and drink recommendation, yeah. I discovered a new drink this week. Um, it's, it's not the most manly of drinks, I'll be honest with you. Uh, the Aperol Spritz. Ah, oh, those are delicious. Oh, special stuff. I've heard nothing. All the guys, that's so hip right now. Aperol spritz. Oh my god, it's amazing. What amazing. what's in it? What's in it? So you use a either uh like a champagne or a prosecco. Oh. Probably about two thirds, like sixty percent, and the rest is Aperol spritz. Is Aperol, which makes the spritz. Can you um, can you use um Campari instead? Yeah, they're both different aperitifs. Is it the same is it taste the same? There's they're similar, but they're not exactly the same. Yeah. It's like it's, Tanqueray it's like and, and Hendrix. Okay. It's super, super, super sweet. Um, so it's like a jammy sweet. But yeah. then it's got like this bitterness at the end. So the, all that sweetness has gone from your mouth at the very end. So you can just drink it so, so easily. And I did like a whole bottle of Prosecco last night with like half a bottle of <laughs> with Aperol as well. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. And if you have it really cold, it's really refreshing. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I had a. I had a sh <laughs> Why do you do that? You've done that a few. Who is that? Is that somebody? <laughs> it's an ad. It's an oh, ad. Okay. That, that, that's that was on the TV. I have a friend, David Tabari, is a chef in in um, D uh, Dobbs Ferry, and he always has behind the the bar what he calls uh, chef juice, and it's Jameson's and uh, Aperol, and he always mm. has like a big jug of it. So when when he sees somebody he knows, he has the bartender send him over a shot of this uh, chef juice. And and it's good. It's weird. And it's it's Aperol and Jameson's. Yeah, it's like a shot. I know, I know some people who put Aperol in in like a ginger beer as well, mm. like a ginger ale. Um, and I haven't tried that. But I'd imagine that would be really nice as well. But I'm Absolutely. not into sweet stuff at all. And this is super super sweet in your mouth, like syrupy. Uh. But then it just disappears with its bitterness. It's it's oh it's special. Stuff. I tried to be great. a Campari guy a long time ago, and I was just like, this is not happening. This is not happy. Mm. Tony could drink a pile of Campari. 
he always had a Campari, and I just couldn't do it. I was just like, this is like cough medicine. He's not just he's not drinking it straight though. It's like in a ne- yeah, in on a ice. Negroni no. or something. No, no, Holy no. Holy smokes, you, really? People, that's a typical Italian aperitif to get you fired up. You have a sure Campari on a, on the rocks. Well, a lot of people drink a Campari. I never on the rocks. tried it. Yeah, fuck straight that. up. Yeah, no, no interest. <laughs> Uh, another Any other recommendations this week. Yeah, another quick thing I saw was Lynn Ray. Uh, he is an awesome bladesmith. He he takes a lot. It, he pushes bladesmithing in, in more of the blacksmithing realm. Uh, I guess he approaches it from more of a blacksmith perspective. Um, he does these incredible blacksmith knives, um, and he made a um, a slip joint blacksmith folding knife which is really sweet and I thought was really cool, really well executed. I have seen them before. I think the first example, only exa- actually maybe the only example I ever saw was at the New England School of Metalwork, uh, one that Derek Glazer had made, uh, who is the director of the New England School of Metalwork. Um, but Lynn Ray made an excellent um, adaptation or I guess example of yeah. one of those blacksmith folders. It's fucking phenomenal. He's amazing. He is He's truly, truly amazing. If you don't follow him, you gotta follow him. Yeah. Oh, okay. I got one last thing. I I heard or I just saw that Kerry Saltz. Are you familiar with this guy, Jeff? Sounds familiar. He let's see. I'm pulling up his Instagram. He said he is the senior art critic for New York Magazine 2018 Pulitzer Prize for criticism. He's the author for New York Times bestseller How Can or How to Be an Artist. And so on and so forth. He has a bunch of stuff. He's got almost half a million followers on Instagram. Anyways, I just noticed, uh, I saw the other day, somebody tagged me in it. He is a huge fan of Forged and Fire, which seems very uh, odd for such a... <laughs> Why? I don't know. People like just, what they like. People like what they like. Well, I thought I thought you'd be interested. And actually, in under his post, he's for the Forged and Fire, he says, my favorite new TV show... Forging fire. People uh, tasked with forging weapons out of steel in two hours. He's got those numbers wrong. But anyways, he says, very close to art. Possibly art. What's this guy's name? Jerry Saltz. S-A-L-T-Z. All one word. J-E-R-R-Y. Okay. Anyways, I thought that was interesting. Especially his comments about the possibility of it being art. I don't know, man. I don't know. (laughs) I'm looking at, you know, I'm following him, but about... I'm like, I, I'm looking at, he does all these selfies of himself. I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I just figured you'd love art. him because it's got all kinds of dick pics in there. Or oh, dick art. Got, I think you got me confused with, with uh, somebody else. Okay. I see one dick art. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a huge, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of art critics who are not artists. Like that mm. to me, it's like, sure. it's like food writers who can't cook. I don't. It doesn't really. It, I lose a lot of like these guys do this, you know, based off of no experience. I, I don't know. I, I tend to just not to be terribly interested. In, it's like you know, you know, Frank Bruni, uh, the food writer for the Times, he had no experience as a food writer before he started doing it. You know, it's just like eh, you're saying things based on without any you know, history of it. I, I just you know, but it sounds good. I'll follow him. God bless him. You know, whilst we're talking about art. Um... Another super manly recommendation this week. A Taylor Swift album came out this week, didn't it? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Just dropped out of nowhere. Just like his new album I've recorded during lockdown and um, all acoustic-y kind of stuff. Cool. She's awesome. 
Have you got anything, Jeff? Any recommendations? Well, it's interesting because I've uh, been when I do the full blast podcast, I spend a week just trying to get my hands or get my you know mind around my next guest, and I've been I've been uh, I'm going to talk to Quentin Middleton of Middleton Made Knives tomorrow, and Jared Thatcher mentioned to me, he's like, well, you got to talk to him about Geechee Boy. Got to make sure you talk about Geechee Boy. I'm thinking Geechee Boy. What the fuck is Geechee Boy? I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like the Jersey Boys, like the like a prank show or some sort of Southern like YouTube channel or something like that. So I start to do some research, and I I am so in, can't wait to talk to him because so basically when when they when America went over to West Africa, America went over to West Africa to get to enslave rice uh, growing people of West Africa. Because they wanted to bring this rice growing uh, concept to the the, low, the the Charleston and the, the the coastal the coastal island island places because the temperature was around the same thing. So they so they enslaved all these West African people, brought them over to the Charleston area to I mean these were very specific had specific tasks of understanding the science of rice growing. They understood astrology, the tides, the way you harvest, the way you do the rice. And they created this industry in the Charleston, South Carolina area. I might be getting this a little bit wrong, but it, they these all these these groups of, of West Africans who didn't speak their same, they didn't, you know, some of them were different places. They all have different languages. Mm-hmm. They created this language, and, which was called Gitchi, and they mm-hmm. created this community called Gullah. So when you think about soul food and you think about what's been going on in, you know, Southern tradition, these Gullah people are extraordinarily important to the fabric of the United States because, you know, Carolina long grain rice was this tradition that was brought over from West Africa to this, these, you know, from, you know, the Carolinas down to Florida. And it's this rich tradition and these Gullah people are so interesting because they're I got I got such down this rabbit hole and of the traditions and the 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 religious parts and the 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 culture and celebrating this West African heritage, and Quentin and his brother Marcus are Gullah people. They're they're they they came from this lineage of these proud uh, Gitchi uh, Gullah Gitchi people, and I cannot get over it and it, it's extraordinarily interesting and it's really made me change the way not change the way I think of of Quentin but I'm I'm really looking forward to talking to him because there's so much about his background and the the culture and keeping this culture alive and through the cooking and through the I'm so excited to talk to him and just see how that you know part of it uh you know is, is part of him and the history that's something that I never knew about growing up and and it was just really kind of neat so I've been like down this deep 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 rabbit hole and then uh one of our listeners Mike Nye sent me all this Geechee boy food like um grit special grits and special carolina gold uh rice and red beans and i'm just i'm in deep deep my wife wants to kill me because i'm like i'm like reading the book called the cooking gene about southern food and and uh, the, you know i'm like this is all encompassing information so hmm. but it's been fascinating super fascinating so so what's quentin's impression right? i don't know impression Oh, I don't well I don't well it's 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 not really I don't think it's an impression. I think that it's like a dialect. So it's like it's very similar to I I'm not 100% sure exactly how close, you know, the Gullah tradition is with Creole, which is this, Creole's kind of similar. It's just like um it's a dialect. So I don't know exactly 
I, I mean, from what I've been watching, it's like, it's a language. Um, it's a language that all these people shared. And then it's just a fa it's fascinating from a, I've always been fascinated with um, where food comes from, but also like the history of food. And the United States is very small because we don't have a lot of indigenous uh, recipes and, 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 and foods, you know, as opposed to other, you know, countries. So this is, to me, is like, was a real eye-opening experience. And I'm really looking forward to hearing his take on community and, and that. So you'll have to listen to uh, Full Blast Podcast next Friday. Nice. What a radio tease. We got beef. We got beef. Yeah, we do. Um, I don't this week. I don't have any beef. So I've had a very happy week. So Jeff, over to you. And if Morocco, Morocco, if you have a beef, go first because I'm gonna like my eyeballs are gonna pop out of my head. <laughs> Steam's gonna be coming out of your ears and the you top of your head, out of my okay. ass, penis, <laughs> old town. Steam's gonna be coming Ugh, all please. every orifice. I'm gonna be like one of those Spelling balloons. Steam. I'm gonna be balloons <laughs> losing out all the holes. Uh, I had a beef, and my brain has not been working very well lately. That's why I've been taking all these notes. Now, I did not write that down. So <laughs> that's, that's the beef. Right, right. that. Yeah, my stupid. Yeah, there you go. My stupid brain. I can't remember shit. It's frustrating. Happens. Take, take it away, Jeff. All right. So when I decided to move my mother, we had made a decision. I'll move most of it except for the furniture. I'm just not going to move furniture. So we hired a, fur, uh, a moving company, which was, they were great. They've, um, they're ter terrific. So we had packed everything up. We got everything ready to go. And the, the movers came down and the building that my mother used to be in is like covered in video cameras. So like, you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. I guess obviously they don't need to protect themselves, but they're like, they love to, I, I'm under the impression that, you know, you can't do anything in that apartment without them knowing about it. So I guess uh, we, the move went fine. Everything went great. I, we had, I'm very like by the books when I'm talking to these buildings. I talked to the super a couple days before. We're going to have the, the movers come. So whatever you need to do to the elevator, you need to put packing blankets and whatever you need to tell me in regards to how we move, I'll go by the book. I want to make sure we get in and out uh, when everyone's happy. I don't want some of these buildings. It's like everything's a production and they like, oh, you didn't know you got to do, you know, I don't want to do that. So I took care of all that. And the, oh, it's fine. They've took care of the elevator, whatever. We got everything done. I undid everything. And then, um, we moved, the, the moving company came, got rid of the stuff, moved my mother in fine. Bingo, bango, bongo. Monday, I went to, uh, the old apartment to just kind of last bit of things. There were little things that needed to go. See the landlord, see the superintendent who I've been talking with. It's fine. Tuesday, so I saw him on Monday and everything's fine. Saw so him on Tuesday and he's, his eyes are a little bit closed and he goes, We had a problem. I'm like, What's the problem? Well, your movers broke one of the doors. I said, What? And he showed me one of the outer doors, not like a, uh, not a locking door, but like a middle door. It, it, so he showed me that some one of the guys had put a screwdriver uh, between the door and the buck to keep the door open. It happens. People do that. But it's a heavy steel door, and obviously the weight of the door pushed the, um, you know, fucked the hinges up. It just pulled it. So, so when it closed, it wouldn't close completely. So I was like, oh, that's the first I've heard of it. And he goes, he looks at me and he goes, well, someone's going to have to pay. And I look at him like, well, I, I mean, I don't. He's like, you're going to have, he said, and, then he, and then he looks at me and he, and he says, well, I, I saw the video. The movers did it. It's not your fault. The movers did it. I'm like, okay, great. 
And he says, you're going to need to give me the name of the movers. And I happen to have the movers card in my pocket. I'm like, here, go ahead, take care of it. And he looks at me and he goes, well, you know, someone's going to have to pay it. I'm like, obviously, you just said, you saw the video that I didn't do it. I had nothing to do with it. And I said to him, I'm not going to get into this. I said, I had nothing to do with this. And he's, I understand. Don't worry. It happens all the time. He says, it happens all the time. So I'm like, all right, I got to get everything out of this apartment because it just, some of these superintendents are the worst, except for one that I know that's not the worst. But, but, and he's listening to this podcast. You're not the worst. You know who you are. You're not the worst. <laughs> so all of a sudden I'm getting everything down and, he, and he, I see him again and he goes, and he's just looking at me like I'm to blame. Now he's seen the video. He's clearly seen the video. He's identified that this was the movers. He's told me that this is not my fault. He says this happens all the time. And he goes, calling the locksmith in. They fuck the door up. Someone's going to have to pay. As in, he keeps on saying someone's going to have to pay, as in, I'm going to have to pay, or can you just pay so we don't have to deal with this? And I'm like, ah, it sucks. You know, it sucks. I'm sorry to hear about this. Give him a call. Tell him. Yeah. I gave you the fucking card, and here's the, you know, it's all, you know, this is this has nothing to do with me. So then I'm getting my last load out. He comes, and he, and he looks at me and goes, locksmith's here to fix the door. Someone's going to have to pay. Someone fuck this door up. And I got out. And I started screaming and hollering in my car. I'm like, get the fuck out of this building. And I thought, all I could think of is, this is your fault. Because I told you, <laughs> what do we need to do? Should we chalk? If you wanted to say, hey, just chalk up the doors with some, you know, triangles or something like that. Or do something or do something or do something. If you say this happens all the time, this is your fault. Because what yeah, you should have done prepared. was you yeah. should have given me instructions. You should have said, oh, put a two-by-four under there so it doesn't put weight on the door. It won't fuck up the door. Or do this, do this, do this, do this. Here's what you want to do. You didn't tell me anything. But you're trying to guilt me into thinking that somehow I'm responsible for this when you clearly have the videotape that it's nothing to do with me. But you're trying to guilt me into, like, something. So fucking, it's just your fault. As far as I'm concerned, you should pay for this. Because if this happens all the time, you should have taken care of this to begin with by putting something on the goddamn door. So this dude, I'm so glad I never have to see you again. I was so furious. Because all I could think of was, what are you trying to guilt me? And I know how to, I, I would know to block the doors up if this was me. I know that I wouldn't have done this. And if I was the superintendent, I wouldn't have let this happen. P.S. If you're the superintendent, you should be able to fix the fucking door. Just undo the hinges and then fix, and then crank it up a little bit. This is easy shit. I was fucking pissed. I was like, what are you telling, what are you talking to me for? Hmm. Jesus is fucking right. People. And his name was Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't Jesus. Jesus. It was not Jesus. So, shall we just end on something a little bit brighter? Please. Just, just really fast. Just, just I got steam 10, coming out. 15 seconds each. Fine. Just just to calm <laughs> Jeff down a bit. Please. Let's start with, let's start with you, Morocco. <sighs> Jesus. Where would, what would you like to happen this week? Yeah, happen? well, especially these next couple days. These next couple days are going to be hot as hell. So I'm looking forward to not actually being in the shop and to possibly getting down. We have this beautiful river area that we go and spend time at. Uh, we get down there early enough, nobody's there. So we're going to get down there and get some play time at the river, skip some rocks, play in the sand, and just chill out. That's what I'm really looking forward to. Also, probably going to do some outdoor grilling um, to keep the heat from building up inside the house. We're fortunate that uh, it, it, at about noon or 1 o'clock, we have this giant maple in our backyard. It casts shade down into the backyard and kind of our back patio area. So it helps cool things down pretty quick back there. So it'll be nice to hang out in the backyard in the afternoon. 
I'm just looking at chilling out, relaxing, and having a finished forged blade. Oh, yeah. I was about to say, like, this all sounds great until you talk next week and you're still working on that knife. <laughs> Okay, I'll take mine next. Um, I, I, I've got uh, a bunch of knives ready to send out. I'm waiting for packaging to arrive, and I'm hoping that comes and um, I can get these 100 knives that I've been sitting here in my shop gathering dust so they're going to need another buffing before they go out. Um, and I'm just hoping that just goes all smoothly, just really smoothly, because our local post office is the worst. And if I, they, they see me walking in with 100 boxes, they're just going to be yeah, like, ah. They're sending you Chinese rings. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, maybe I'll try the uh, the the uh, the donut test, which is Jeff's trick. Dude, that and, uh, that is the worst. Let's see where we go. P.S. I hate. I I now do. Uh, I have uh, stamps.com. Not a sponsor, obviously. Mm. It has made everybody's life so much easier. So I used to show up to the post office with like a pile of boxes, and you yeah. hear them go, "Oh Jesus Christ!" Yeah. And or then you hear the people behind me bitching and moaning. Oh, but geez. imagine that. Imagine that. But they're all French. Oh, so there's none of this, you know, quietly going. Ugh. They're literally just shouting at you. Going, ah, oh, Jesus, the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> so I'm hoping that just goes smoothly. They're out, um, and I can start on the next project, which is, which is quite exciting. So we can talk about that next. Here week. He comes again, Jeffrey. Yes. I'm looking forward to. I'm actually going to cook some. Uh, red rice tonight which i'm excited about that's a, a gullah tradition i'm trying to i found some recipes i'm going to try to make it nice i'm super excited to speak to with quentin middleton he's such a good guy i'm really interested in talking to, to him and about his brother too marcus middleton who who is a great chef and i'm really looking forward to that uh i'm trying to finish up a couple cleavers and uh I'm looking forward to spending some... I had some good time this week with my daughter. I had been taking Saturdays off, and we had a really good time. We went to a, we went to a farmer's market yesterday, and a little funny story is I, uh, I, I, we started buying tomatoes and beautiful eggs and all this stuff, and it was very. It felt like we were in Europe or something like that. And we went to the bread guy, and we're like, let's get the best loaf of bread. I mean, let's get a good loaf of bread. And, I, and the guy says, what do you want? I was like, let's get a sourdough loaf. And he brings me over to this area, and he goes, this is the number one sourdough. It's been fermented three days and this one's two days and one day i said which one's the best and he points this one he goes this is the best sourdough you're gonna love this sourdough and i said all right give me that sourdough and he goes that'll be 16 dollars." and i and i let out a, i let out a, i let out this huge jesus and i still bought it i was like jesus christ and uh, but i was like you know i already you can't just say give me the best thing you got and and then I give him yeah. money. So we actually ate it, and it was delicious. So uh, I want to do more. And Lila, my, Lila, my kid laughed so hard. She's just like, that was so funny. You, you were such a big shot. And then you, all of a sudden, you get the bill, and you're like, lose your mind. So it was fun. <laughs> Too much bread for the bread. It was good. Nice. nice. I think that's a show. That's a I show. have a quick question, um, real quick question about the Mocha Loco. Go for it. Are we going to do the Mocha? We're going to all submit our Loco Mocha pictures with just one, two, or three. Nothing else, right? Or, or do we have to have like some sort of, you know, like some sort of knife talk cook along or Mocha Loco and nothing else? If we, uh, let me think. Because otherwise it's going to get super fishy. It, yes. <laughs> so we can only post from the KTP account. We do, I'll tell you what, let's do one post each. So let's say on Thursday, okay. we'll put one post up each. 
on Thursday. Okay. We don't say who it's from. Um, we literally use the hashtag KTP Cook Along Moco Loco or, or whatever it's Loco Moco Loco <laughs> Moco. Um, and you could do multiple. Uh, help if I knew what it was. You called. could do multiple pictures, but that's it. Um, I suppose so. Yeah, it's just one post. Okay. Yeah, is that fair? Yeah. Sounds okay. Very cool. Okay. Cool. Loco Moco this week. We shall yeah. speak to you next week. Bye. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.